When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowan, so I'm joined this evening by Matt Kendrick after a horrific defeat for Aston Villa away at Fulham 3-0 at Craven Cottage. Now, I tweeted earlier today saying another night of me repeating myself on the podcast saying the same old things, but tonight enough is enough I'm, I'm, I'm sick of, of Stephen Gerrard as Aston Villa manager and I firmly believe now that this is time for him to go I don't believe he'll be in charge for the Brentford game and you know what else can you say I think that pretty much sums it up so thanks for watching we'll see you again soon thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then just joking just joking of course we're Whoa. Whole podcast about this yeah um, don't, Matt, don't... Don't go without me saying that I agree that enough is enough as well. <laughs> well, you know, you know. These, are, these are my opinions. It might not be respective of my employer and my colleagues and my bosses, but that's how I feel. Matt, do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think? Yeah, enough is enough <laughs> now. Um, we're expecting some... some. Well, we weren't expecting it, but it would have taken, I think, some kind of spectacular turnaround um, tonight at Fulham and on, on Sunday against Brentford to for Steven Gerrard to cling on by his, by his fingertips, but I think kind of fall into the precipice after tonight's tonight's embarrassment, I suppose, really. I think we've we've come we've come to the stage where you could almost just almost just feel it, couldn't you? It was one of those nights, I think I've just tweeted that it was it was the equivalent of McLeish away at Norwich in 2012. It was Di Matteo uh, away at Preston in 2016. It was it was Bruce at home against Preston in 2018. It was, you know, all these times you can just feel when enough is enough. Um, even Dino, Dino at Southampton. Um, it's always year. October, isn't it? <laughs> Say again. It's always October, isn't it? There's been a few October. Yeah, it is. It's time for carving pumpkins and sacking managers. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, it was, it was just, even, listen, I think there's been, it was one of those, those nights where everything, you, you know, the the narrative, everything just conspired because Mm -hmm. there was the sending off, wasn't there? And there was the, an own goal to round it off. There was a a disputed penalty, all of those things pointing very clearly, like a big kind of neon kind of arrow for Mm -hmm. Stephen Gerrard out the door, basically. It was, everything was conspiring to say, no, this is done now. This is done. You you need to leave this football club. Um, I'd be really, really, really amazed if there's anybody in the co- in the comments who's come to a different conclusion. Uh, mm-hmm. And if they are, I would like a massive kind of point of of whatever kind of positivity juice they're drinking because I can't see I can't see anything really to cling to anymore. Well, we've we've talked about it kind of on and off for, for weeks, haven't we? I mean, I started the season after the Bournemouth game, the podcast saying Gerard is on thin ice. That was from match day one. And look, they were never going to sack Stephen Gerard after one game. But that 
set the precedent, set the tone for, okay, maybe this season isn't maybe as optimistic as we hope it's going to be after all the pre-season hype and buzz around potential signings and we're going to push for Europe and whatever. Like first first game, I was saying like, thin ice. I'm not, not quite convinced that with, you know, He's had a pre-season now. It's took two or three months to work with it. And yes, you can say the Michael Beale thing leaving. We've been over it a million times. Again, not fully convinced with that as an excuse either. But I was a little bit kind of shaky as, okay, where where are we going here? And it's slowly, as the weeks have gone by, got closer and closer to going, right, when is the cut-off point? When do we finally say, this is enough now? This is, this, is, this has got to change. Do we have to physically drop into the bottom three before we, before we make the change? And look, we're saying all this. Stephen Jordan might not be sacked. But I would be I would be amazed if he was in charge for Sunday, and it's not Neil Critchley in an interim role or something. And we said after whatever the last podcast you and me did, I said, is that a possibility that 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 Gerald isn't in charge for the Brentford game? What happens against Fulham for him to be sacked? Because I don't think it was just a defeat. If we had lost one 0 tonight and we'd have been in it and created a load of chances and missed a penalty or something, you go, okay, well, defeat's poor, but you know we've been in it, we've played okay. People they were saying in the commentary like you know two nil is a is a whatever score line three nil could have been five could have been four or five at half time if not for Emi Martinez that's as yeah, bad I mean, as if it you gets. Forget the second half capitulation even if you take <laughs> that out of it we've been pretty much battered one nil first half by a newly promoted Fulham who I'm, I'm told haven't kept a clean sheet um, and but well, for, them, but for Emi Martinez it could have been three or four um, you know. It, it was almost, you know, William ran the show, didn't he? You know what I mean? We we couldn't couldn't get anywhere near him. Um, I mean, I'll take issue. I'll, I'll be very very surprised if if the axe does fall, you know, tonight tomorrow before the Brentford game, which I think it will, and I definitely think it should. I'd be, be very surprised. surprised if, did you say? No, I'd be surprised. Let me. I've got got half Sorry. halfway through my sentence. I won't be surprised if he. If, if it happens, I think it will happen and I think it should happen. I'd be very surprised if Neil Critchley is the man who mm. is placed in an interim, uh, interim capacity. And I think this is where Villa are a little bit stuck. I mean, they have got the world's biggest coach backroom staff, but I'm not sure which ones of them would be trusted to to kind of take on the baton. Um, mm. I keep coming back to it and I don't know how, he, how, he, how it would work because he's still been the best player on the pitch, but... Ashley Young, with his experience, might form part of a kind of temporary rescue management team, potentially, mm. unless I'm just kind of dreaming that up. Um, well, it's, a, it's a possible scenario, isn't it? Because, yeah, the whole of the backroom staff has been has been part of the problem for the last... tainted by association, so, to be honest. Um, it's just that Neil Critchley was a manager before, so it's kind of... It was the John Terry kind of narrative, wasn't it? Wants to become a manager, is waiting in the wings for if Dean Smith is sacked, John Terry suddenly takes the reins. You know, Critchley can step up and become the number one because he's had that role before. But again, he's associated with the mess of this season. So, you know, Neil Cutler and Ashley Young management duo for one game or something potentially. I mean, at this point, it doesn't really matter. I, I think it's just that lift of. I mean, you saw the, the away fans tonight. We've talked about it before, and there's those kind of murmurings in the Forest game. I think it was of, of we want Gerald out at the end. But you know, that was. A continuous theme for the whole of the second half, really. Stephen Gerrard get out of our club, sacked in the morning, all kinds of the chance from the Villa end. You never recover from that, and then you know the home the home atmosphere on Sunday. If Stephen Gerrard is still there, which you know we both believe he won't be, 
it's not it's not great, is it? Just just sacking him will alleviate that that atmosphere and that toxicity. So regardless of the result on Sunday, to a certain extent, it will be better without Gerard and his coaching staff than with them. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's right. I'm just getting. I'm trying to shut on my WhatsApp's pinging. Um, it's going to be a busy night, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I think I think it's. We're getting ahead of, ahead of ourselves a little bit by thinking about who who mm. could pick the team potentially on Sunday and who who could be sitting in the dugout if if the axe does fall. But what I would say is I can't really, well I can and I don't want to picture what Villa Park would be like uh, if the sticking plaster's not ripped off quickly, mm. um, because I think it's going to be that was a sizable. I mean, I've watched it through my telly. I've not got the world's best speakers on my telly, but that seemed to be a sizable, um, you know, part of the away contingent whose patience had well and truly it's snapped. The whole from the tonight. Um, so that that would be magnified. Uh, and we get into the stage now. I know we... How many games in now, Dan? 11? Uh, 11 or 10. 11, I think. So I we've gone the quarter of a season now and we can't afford anything that is going to disrupt our chances of getting three points on, on Sunday. Mm. So we can't afford to have a toxic atmosphere. We can't afford to have a coach who's lost his way. We need something quickly so we can start to accumulate points quickly because we're in very, very rapid danger of being sucked into a, a really, really alarming um, relegation battle. And that's not that's not you know, overhyping it or getting carried no, away. Not at all. We've been the we've been here before. You yeah. know, we're veterans at this. We know what it's like. You know, we know how quickly things can start to evaporate at the bottom of the table. This needs sorting quickly because we can't afford to waste too many more opportunities for not getting points. Mm. I said a few weeks ago, I think we talked about it after Man City, maybe. It's definitely been a few games where we talked about the, the kind of the relegation conversation and about you know, whether Villa would be sucked into that. And I was always of the mindset, well, you know, these players and these these players should be good enough to get into the top 10 and will be able to scrap their way out of danger at some point. Again, I'm, I'm waiting for that club statement at this point. But if Steven Gerrard is the manager for the rest of the season, Aston Villa will be relegated. We will be sucked into that relegation battle because there's no hope. We look terribly coached I don't know what we're trying to do still you wonder what they're doing on training grounds we see loads of pretty videos of them banging in goals from, from the edge of the area into the into the top of the net and then you look at it on a match day and think well, we can barely string two passes together kick off at half time backwards to a midfielder backwards to a centre half out for a throw in instantly give the ball away after that first half just hold the ball try and make something try and craft something it's basic stuff and you know it's not all on Gerald we said before a lot of the players have been well below par this season and Changing the manager isn't this quick fix that suddenly Matty Cash's delivery is going to be increasingly better and, and Ollie Watkins finish Ollie Watkins finishing is going to improve overnight. There is serious problems with the with the players as well. But that lack of confidence and the negative atmosphere and the lack of tactical setup under Steven Gerrard has to come to an end now. Yeah, I mean I've been criticised on air and probably rightly so in the fact in the past for saying, you know, Villa have got this star studied cast and I think the more you scratch the surface, you realise that there's a lot of these players who either aren't good enough or certainly aren't performing at the level that we've expected. Mm. Um, but Better again, than the bottom three, though, I think. Yeah, yes, definitely. But the, again, the manager, the manager carries the carries the can for this because he's the one who's mm. responsible for setting them up in a way that makes yeah. them better than the sum of their parts, not worse. Um, he's the one who's got enough 
probably enough gravitas himself and certainly enough people alongside him to try and restore confidence where, where there is none. So, yes, the players have got to be massively accountable for this. But equally, if the squad's not good enough, Stephen Gerrard, a man who we know prior to joining Aston Villa, the manager, managerial graveyard of Aston Villa, wanted to be on a very steep trajectory. I can never say trajectory. Trajectory. Um, if that squad wasn't good enough, it more should have been done. More should have been done over the summer to rectify it. And I know listen, there's, there's mitigation because he's, he's two big signings, if you like. Um, have both got injured. Luca Dean, another of his, his signings, has been, been injured. Although, arguably, the player who's come in and replaced him in recent weeks has been, has been an upgrade temporarily. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the club were confident enough to go into this season with what they got and to still continue the rhetoric that this was a club that was going to progress and get better mm. and better and better. So we can't all of a sudden start saying, oh, you know, the squad's not good enough and, and this and that kind of thing. Well, the club can't can't say that anyway because they were the ones who were able to, to impact this and failed to do so. Um, yeah, it's just grim because we, we've come to this point so many times and... I didn't think we'd come to it this quickly under Gerard, to be honest, because I thought he would. Listen, I'm not not saying he would have got us in Europe or top six or whatever within the first eighteen months, two years, but naively I thought our days of hovering around the bottom three, four, I thought they'd gone. I thought mm, they'd when we, you know, in pre- previous times where we've been trying to kind of just survive on a shoestring in Premier League terms, I thought we moved on from that. I thought we're a different beast and a different club. Um, but we're not. Mm. Apparently, Stephen Gerrard is speaking to Amazon now, so if anyone wants to ping in a few of the lines into the comments and without trying to wind us up or stitch us up, that'd be great. I imagine... Well, we've got, the, got the, the, the listeners and the viewers being our transcribers. Yeah, I just wanted to jump on straight away with that initial reaction because you know, there's a lot of times you do these things straight away and you maybe think a day or two later, you know, why are we too harsh or should we have calmed down or, or whatever, but it was we've said a few times and the phrase I've always used is this kind of being on a knife-edge vibe. You win a game or you draw a game, you think, okay, another game is what we've got of this. You lose one and all of a sudden you think, okay, that club statement could drop at any point. Literally, it could be tonight, 10 o'clock, maybe, corner flag goes up on Villa Twitter, club statement, Stephen Gerrard sacked. Could be tomorrow morning, could be Saturday, could not even be then, could be in charge of Brentford and then we kind of go again, to quote Paul Lambert. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to jump on straight away with that initial reaction because I thought, even if I've got a couple of days to digest what I saw against Fulham, my opinion won't change. I wanted to be not, I've said before about like, I don't want, God, I'm going to go around in circles here. It's not, this isn't like taking joy at a man losing his job or being happy that Stephen Gerald has failed at Aston Villa because that means Aston Villa are, are rubbish. And I'm, I'll prioritise Aston Villa first over Stephen Gerrard. But I did want to give it time and think, you know, the part of him I do like and it should have brought that winning mentality and to give him the opportunity to not kind of learn on the, on the job because Villa should be better than that, but given the benefit of the doubt, let's say. But it's just gone for long enough now where I've thought, I just don't see it working. I don't see us changing. And to score, was it three goals in five games or something now? And and one point, is it, out of three of the promoted teams? It's just that's the standard of if that's where we are. It's all well and good playing, against, playing well against Man City and getting a draw, playing well against Chelsea for 45 minutes but losing. This is the bread and butter. If you want to at least get into the top half, you should be beating all the teams or most of the teams in the bottom six or seven and that's where we've been at our poorest 
We've not even played well tonight and lost. We've been abject. Nowhere near it. Could have been five or six, like I said. So that's the point where you finally come on and go, right, enough is enough now. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, wishing to be all Roy Walker and catchphrase. You say what you see, don't you? And, yeah. and what we see has been depressing. It's not It's not been good enough, you know. You're a season ticket holder, Dan. Your dad's a season ticket holder. Your granddad's a season ticket holder. I'm a season ticket holder. So we're not coming up, coming up here, you know, in the privileged seats or whatever, you know, we, we pay no, I'm money. I'm a fortune for my season ticket and I'm sick of it, frankly. Yeah, well, that's it. Paying, listen, and I understand market forces, but we're paying a lot more than we did last year and we're getting a lot less yeah. um, for our money. And it and it's grim. And you just, you see it, don't you? You see the declining managers and there's the, there's the telltale signs, there's the, there's the muddled thinking, there's the, the not, res- you know, the not responding to make changes early enough in games. There's the, the almost kind of, I don't know, the excuse management rather than the football team management and, and all these things. And they, you see it, the pattern emerges. It goes through the same kind of thing. And then the away fans turn and then they turn a little bit more and then there's no way back. Uh, and listen, Gerard could book the trend. He, he, you know, he, he's got a very thick skin. He, you know, the, the, the owners and the, um, and the chief executive could decide that, no, we're going to, we're going to stick with this project. And, it could turn and everything could be rosy, but then again, I could leave. I could leave one of my one of my teeth under the pillow and get fifty p for it, couldn't I? You know, <laughs> I'm not very convinced that that it's going to happen. So, mm. like I say, rip rip the plaster off, get it done quickly, and let's move on. There's a few comments in the comments about Stephen Giles' interview, and there's one from Holly Jennings, who I know watches a lot of our stuff. Who said it seemed like he knows he's done. So I trust Holly. He's, he's kind of telling the truth there. Um, he said something like we'll see what happens moving forward or something like that, which, again, is a little bit like, I know I'm probably done here. And I said before, if we'd have lost 1-0 tonight, but we were coming on here and saying we've had a couple of good chances there, missed a penalty, so-and-so happened, so-and-so happened, I'd be, as much as the defeat still isn't great, if you do get something on Sunday and follow it up and say, well, we're clearly on a bit of a bit of an upward curve, I think that would be okay. Even a draw tonight and a draw Sunday, as much as it's still just really average performances, you'd go, okay, well, there's something there. But to lose in that manner as well, I just don't see, I don't see how he comes back from that. And it's a matter of when, isn't it now? Do you want to do a sweepstake in the comments, maybe? When is the club statement coming? What do you think? Is it tonight? Is it tomorrow? Is it Saturday? What do you reckon? I'm going for 10am. I'm not saying which day. (laughs) (laughs) Or what year? (laughs) Oh I god! Will, I think. I think go on. I think it'll be tonight. Do you? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon Nasef might have been there tonight, down in the down in the London grounds. He lives down that way, doesn't he? Goes visit, sees it in person, gets the press out of the way at ten o'clock or whatever. Straight on the blower. You're gone, mate. P forty five in the post. Half ten. Half ten tonight. I'll go with. Give it a bit of time to settle down. Get the TV off. Get Amazon Prime finished. Get their coverage over. Then sack him. Uh, and I'm smiling through that. But I, like I said, I don't take any pleasure in a man losing your job. It's, it's away from that. But from a footballing perspective, Aston Villa are going backwards since we appointed the manager that was supposed to take us forwards. So what do you expect to happen? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it will come that quickly, but we'll we'll know soon enough or long enough whether, what will happen. be interesting if it does happen, whether it's just a one-line, you know, party company, um, thank him for his endeavours or whatever or whether see if they're doing it tonight I'm not sure they've got to, they've got chance to hastily assemble how long does it take manage, 
the management squad for uh, the weekend. Right, okay, so yeah. I think they might they might buy themselves a little bit more time to I mean listen, they might this might all turn out to be completely false and they might just plow on. So Yeah, yeah. That is a that is a possibility, but I'd be very surprised at this point, just given the atmosphere. And again, we've said about it before, the statement they used to sack Dean Smith. There's no continuous improvement. They haven't kicked on the results they wanted to. We're actually close. We're bang to on now, aren't we? We're bang on from been. 11 games, 9 points for Gerard. Is that right? 11 games, yeah. 10 points for Smith? Yeah, so, so technically worse. So it's actually it's actually gone backwards. Um, and I would imagine without checking, things like goal scored are worse. Attempts on goal, expected goals, all those kind of things will all be much more negative than they were under Dean Smith. So it's not even like, well, you know, we're level on Dean Smith in terms of points, but we are playing better. Because the narrative will be from TalkSport, whatever, Sky Sports News, all the kind of ex-players around the same era of Stephen Gerrard, Jamie Carragher, even probably to a certain extent of, oh, harsh sacking Stephen Gerrard. He's only lost one of his last four games. Do you know what I mean? That's the narrative, because in comparison it's to Dean two, Smith... No, he? Oh, lost, <laughs> he lost, yeah. lost two of his last two. <laughs> yeah. But it was like Dean Smith lost five in a row. Whoa, boo, five in a row. That's bad. Whereas D- Gerald's had that four game unbeaten period and then lost two in a row. So I think there'll be some of the narrative outside of Aston Villa will be that's a harsh sacking. He's a young manager. Look at Arteta, see what he did. Arteta won the FA Cup, let's not forget, in his first season at Arsenal and sign players that were young to develop them for the future and build a project with Arsenal. Stephen Gerald has done nothing for Aston Villa. Sign players who are over the hill on loads more money than they should be. Kind of abandon the structure of young players with sell-on value. With you know, Danny Ings wasn't a Stephen Gerrard signing, but Danny Ings being the first of that kind of shifting mentality. Coutinho, Dean, Bednarek, Dendonka. Oh, what's the point of those two? I mean, not really going to talk about the game much really tonight, but Bednarek playing with concert right back. Like, what was the point of any of that? Yeah, I think, I think he's done. I don't know. I don't know how a board of directors or a PR team or whatever, I don't know how they could accentuate the positives in this. There are no positives. I don't think Shane Warne would be able to spin his way out of it. I think it's just so much, it's just so grim and just so the opposite of what we were promised that I I just don't, I don't think there's any way of, um, like I say, just putting a gloss on it. I don't think there is at all. I mean, in terms of the, in terms of the game, if you wanted to talk about it, it was it was interesting. He changed things up a little bit, didn't he? Obviously wanted Bednarik in there to try and help with the, the might of Mitrovic, I'd have thought. By doing so, he put somebody on who looked very rusty and very nervous mm-hmm. um, with a lack of game time. And he almost opened up the left flank um, for Fulham to enjoy success down there. You know, to be fair, he addressed it. <laughs> at half-time by changing things a little bit. But then, you know... <laughs> the damage is done. We said the same things the other day, didn't we, after Chelsea. Even at 1-0, I sat there and thought, well, the best we'll get here is a draw because we can only ever score one goal. So the best we can settle with from Fulham away is coming back from 1-0 down to draw one all. The minute it goes 2-0, you, you get the red card, which, again, whether it's worth talking about the red card, whether it was one or not, you just know it's game over. There's no chance we'll come back to it because... You know, you think about throwing Archer on there or Ings doing this or maybe Watkins comes back centrally, but if you're not creating chances, you know, Mitrovic has scored however many goals, was it 50 goals in the last last calendar year or something he scored, or for Fulham last season and Fulham this season so far. Proven goal scorers on red-hot form. Put Mitrovic in our team tonight and he doesn't score because we don't create the chances. So it's not just about the goal scorer, it's about creating the good chances in the first place. 
No, it's, it's it's basics again, isn't it? You know the the goal, the goal that we've conceded. It was it was a a, a great strike um, to to put Fulham in front. But how many times do you do you see? Not since John McGinn pinged one in against Sheffield Wednesday a few years ago. How many times do you see Villa players left unmarked with that amount of space to to get a shot away? Um, you don't. Yeah. Joke, you like defending for those. There's, there's three moments. I, I was working tonight. I was doing pictures for us. So I had another tab open with a few notes, which I stopped half time. So I thought, waste of time. But there was, I think, there was three occasions in a row of an unmarked or a playing loads of space from a, from a set piece. I think it was um, Pereira maybe for one of them. It was on the edge of the box of the volley. Then the resulting corner from that, I think it was Mitrovic who then, yeah, Mings cleared off the line, loads of space. I mean, like you said, but you're playing bed and concert of Mings for the height. Mings is on the line to clear it, thankfully, but Mitrovic gets a free run at it. And then there was a, a moment just after that, I think that possibly the, it, was either, it was either something else or the goal where you just look at, I can't think off the top of my head who scored the goal, but you just think he's in acres of space. It's just so easy. And those little moments, those little flashpoints in games, things like set pieces, they are the defining moments in games when you're struggling. Defend them well, and you know, be creative from your own. And you might, be, you might have nicked a nicked a point tonight by being better in both boxes. Forget about being good in open play. If you can at least get your set pieces right, that might just get you by. But a crap at them as well. You're on mute. You're on mute, Matt. Matt, <laughs> Matt, you're on mute. <laughs> Mate, you're on mute. <laughs> uh, you might might have unplugged, maybe. I don't know whether you could hear me or not. Any, anybody want to jump on the call, maybe, and fill in for Matt? He's clearly not able to work a, <laughs> a microphone. I'm back. I'm podcast. back. Oh, here he is. Okay. Really? I don't know what happened then. Sorry. I probably Did you censor yourself then? Was it just loads of expletives? I said something really profound then. It's brilliant. People are going to put it on postcards and on tea towels and stuff, but I can't remember. Was it, an, it was. was it an analogy about breakfast cereal? No, it wasn't. I'm, this is how bad it's got tonight. I've not even got one of those up my sleeve. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I can't remember. Go on. Go on. Spot, <laughs> spot me off again. Sorry. Oh, I don't know. Oh, there's about set pieces. I was saying that, you know, if it, you could be rubbish in open play, but if you can at least defend set pieces okay and create something from your own, you might have potentially nicked something tonight, but we're crap at set pieces as well. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, we, we just, I think, I think what I was saying was that it was, a, it was almost like a kind of microcosm of everything that we've been complaining about, really. All in one big I don't know, jumbled mess of a performance. We didn't really look like uh, laying a glove on Fulham in terms of attacking areas, a couple of bits and pieces, thinking he's had a couple of half chances. Um, we looked very, very vulnerable um, in defence. We looked like we were giving away far too much space and ground in midfield. And other than, that, other than those three departments, <laughs> look mm. spot on. But yeah, so it was just it was just what we've come to expect. Um, yeah, 
Um, do you have a couple of quotes from from Gerard from Ashley Priest's Twitter feed? Um, yeah, go for it. Okay. So, these are Stephen Gerard's words. It's tough, but I'm a man. I accept it. I understand it. Oh, I won't do the accent, by the way. It was a tough night for me personally. We'll see what happens. I understand the situation we're in. I'm a fighter. I will never quit anything. Quitting is not in my DNA. That sounds like a certain Tory uh, Prime Minister that, that was on today. Uh, I understand the situation. The performance was miles away from how we looked at the weekend. The reality is that's not good enough for this football club. First of all, the, the quitting thing, yeah, obviously not. What was the last manager to quit their role and forego their compensation? Tim Jarrod is not going to resign, is it? Obviously not. Um, the follow-up bit that's interesting or semi-interesting for Ash at least, Stephen Gerrard's presser lasted less than four minutes. No questions were asked ahead of Brentford, as was the plan pre-match. So usually when there's a night game, there'll be some questions embargoed for the next game because there won't be a pre-Brentford press conference. There was no questions asked about Brentford to Stephen Gerrard because I would suggest Stephen Gerrard won't be the manager for Brentford, so why ask him about it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he probably wanted to get out of there quite quickly anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it does all point towards what, what we've all come to accept should be the right course of action. And I think we just, we're just stuck in a bit of a kind of holding pattern now, waiting for what seems like the inevitable. And we've delayed the inevitable. Let's face it, we could have sacked him two or three weeks ago. What have we gained in the last couple of weeks by holding on to him? Two points? Yeah, I think, I think you know, I'm, I might review this this opinion at the end of the season if we, we don't get enough points to, to see ourselves right but I'm not against them giving him a fair crack in terms I think 11 games if you if you if that's your sample size for Dean Smith fair enough give him give him give him a chance to try and get that continuous improvement in now he hasn't done that um mm. and now we've got what should still be you know a, a winnable match against Brentford on Sunday. That's not going to be easy, regardless of who's No, it's not. But I'm saying Lance the Boyle, I think we said last time, didn't we? Lance the Boyle and and get some freshness in there so that at least Villa Park can turn up, you know, with a weight off our shoulders and with with a degree of optimism that that things can get better and will at least stop getting worse. Um, Mm. Just do it. Just in the comments, there's, there's 1,200 people watching this live at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night, which I think is probably our most viewed episode since the night we beat Liverpool 7-2. Exactly, just, since the, the last manager was sacked. <laughs> well, yeah, possibly. Um, the Liverpool 7-2 was certainly over 1,000, because I remember saying at the time, that's, that's our most ever, so thank you for tuning in. So a quick one to those 1,200 people watching. Is there anybody, by way of a simple yes or no, that still thinks Stephen Gerrard should be given more time, whether that's one more game, five more games, the rest of the season? The simple yes or no, should Gerald still be here um, for however long? I assume, Matt, from everything we've spoken about for the last half an hour, your answer is no. You shouldn't be given any more time. be a bit strange if I changed my mind, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The the comments are in blocks of 10 and it just goes up 10 like that. 10. 10. And it's no, 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 no. Not a chance in hell. No. Yet to see a single yes. There will be people out there that still say give him time and... Me and my dad have spoken about it after games this season on the way back from Villa Park saying Stephen Joe could go on to be a good be a good manager somewhere at some point. You know, like you say about players when they leave, like Leon Bailey at the moment, could yeah, go elsewhere and be a well beater. But that's the villa, that's not gonna happen. Listen, you don't become a good manager without without making <laughs> mistakes along the way. I mean, I hired you, didn't I? Do you exactly, know what I mean? Yeah. So, exactly, I'm so. still here. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and listen, I don't, I don't bear him any ill will either. You know, good luck to him if he goes on, goes on, and he might be Liverpool cheap. manager one day and be very successful. But yeah. Aston Villa, it's not worked, and it's time to, like you say, lance the boil. Well, there should be a better phrase than that. Lance the ball is grim, isn't it? But it's a grim situation, to be fair. Um, yeah, lows and nose. I didn't expect any of that. One person, actually, Albert, one more game, perhaps. Um, that's the first one I've seen, and they're coming through very quick. But that's the first I've seen of saying, give him more time. But, you know... Can you imagine, like, Albert, like, if he, even one more game, perhaps, is not the biggest rallying point. Yeah, quite, it's not a Imagine yet, him on a megaphone on the, on the halfway <laughs> line on... on <laughs> on Sunday for a baying mob of 40,000 of us so there's Albert the lone voice um, no, I'm, not, I'm not mocking you up well I kind of am but more power to you but I think even even in your even in that kind of half, half-hearted attempt to cling on yeah uh, the perhaps that perhaps ruins it yeah. doesn't it um, <laughs> I think if it's one more if it's one more game it's one more loss because I think there's no way we win on Sunday if Steven Gerrard is still manager I'm not convinced we win without him but at least there is that kind of cut-off point and then there's no anti-Gerard chance in the stadium and stuff and we could go 1-0 down straight away and it'd still be turgid, horrible football. But at least you kind of have, have you know, got that, got that not fresh start, but got rid of the anti-Gerard stuff. So there's a better chance of you winning without him there than there is with. Um, yeah, we've, um, well, we've been on, my colleagues have put a, a piece on, um, on Birmingham Live, you know, saying that, um, Time's up and, and Gerard must go. And they've rather than the usual cliche of the cracked club crest with a big mm. kind of zigzag down the middle of it, I think they've cracked Stephen Gerrard's face a little Ooh. bit from from what I see on the um, what I see on Twitter. I don't, don't know whether you want to drop that. Do you want to drop that in the comments, Danny? If I send yeah, you the link, yeah, send me the link. I'll put it in. People can go. Is that is, whose opinion is that? Is that yours? It's not mine, mate. That is, that is the that is the opinion of um, Birmingham uh, <laughs> Birmingham Mail and Birmingham Live. I don't get to have an opinion anymore. Okay, I agree I'll put, with that, <laughs> I'll, put that, I'll put that in the comments in a sec when you drop it through to me. Uh, let's have a look at this image. Oh, yeah, the cracked, cracked kind of photos there. And uh, Yeah, I recognise that. Um, there is the link for anyone who's going to have a read a little bit more about Stephen Gerrard. Enough is enough. Stephen Gerrard must go. When was the last time there was a kind of story like that? Like what called the manager yeah, it wouldn't have been Dean Smith, I don't think. Was it would it have been Bruce? I think it was uh it was Bruce after Cabbage Gate, wasn't it? Hmm. You'd have gone with big Bruce must go kind of thing. Yeah, I think so. Whether it made it on the front of the paper, I don't know. But um of course we had um, we had the old grocery misconduct line that we put in there, which was uh yeah, good. the cabbage throwing. But I th- did I say this did I say this earlier? I certainly certainly tweeted it earlier that to me the Douglas Louise headbutt was the Glenn Whelan miss penalty. It mm. was, you could just feel it kind of unravelling and that, that was the equivalent. Although, because of the circumstances of tonight, one of probably the best puns that you'll see across the season <laughs> was overlooked. Did you see it? Go on. No. Brazil nut? Oh, Brazil. Yeah, good. I think I was tweeting something else at the same time, just saying it's embarrassing. Uh, what did you make of the red card? Was it a headbutt? Because the the, Amazon, the replay Amazon kept showing from, you know, I could have been got my binoculars out from here and looked at it. It was so far away. I wasn't still quite sure whether there actually was a headbutt in there. But my kind of theory in it, on it is just don't give the ref the opportunity to send you off. Just don't get involved. Don't go back to Mitrovic. Don't even get involved with it because you know he's a wind-up merchant. He's going to do something like that. Why even have the coming together in the first place? So I'm not convinced it actually was a headbutt. 
Just don't get involved. Well, I haven't seen much of the post-match stuff on Amazon, but surely Dion Dublin's your man to ask. Oh, great shout, yeah. <laughs> he can yeah. Um, he can tell you what a headbutt is or, or isn't. Uh, I don't know. It was just one of those nights where just you could just sense it unraveling. It doesn't matter, does it? It's it's relevant, relevant. How many fans are we taking now? Three and a half thousand or something, I think, did I read? Oh, fair play to them. Yeah, fair play to them. And Fulham tends to be probably more during a, an August Saturday afternoon than a... October, whatever night we are, Thursday night. But it tends to be one of the nicer, better away trips. Um, mm. no, quite quite setting down by the side of the river. So the fact that they've had to go down there and stomach that miserable load of nonsense again. Um, but Villa, aren't we? They'll be back again on su- Sunday and back again the week after and the week after. Um, yeah, I, I, like the, any, I like that any kind of anti-Gerard chance was immediately followed up by like a pro-Villa one. So it was like, Gerard, get out of our club. And then Villa to like, oh, like straight away and... I think it was Tom Cowley who chatted to before and I follow on Twitter said like that's a nice sign of like look we support the club we're here to, to follow them through thick and thin like we'll always be here to help the side but we don't support you Stephen Gerrard anymore like this is the point where we say enough is enough but we're still there for the players though yes we are though aren't we you know it's a, it's yeah. an old cliche isn't it but you you know we see him come we see him go you know some of them actually leave with our <laughs> with our affection still intact others trudge out Not the many. door and you know i've just i've just written that it'll become you know it'll be a foot a depressing footnote in villa's history soon enough like a lot of them um mm. and we move on and we and the it's a cliche, but the, the the fans are always there, and we just want the people who pass through to take as best care of us and our club, you know, while they can. And hmm. Stephen Gerrard's motivations or anything can't be questioned. I think it was a he's not gone yet, so I'm not I don't want to speak too much in the past tense. But I think it was a brave move, and I think the fact for that he back, for him, the fact that well, from well from both sides, but for him particularly, you know, what would he have had to do? At Aston Villa to really improve and boost his CV that much that it makes him take that next step. Was it? I think there would probably be easier jobs in the Premier League where he probably could have come in and you know a newly promoted club that was struggling. And if they'd have got mm. relegated, it wouldn't have been a disaster because he could have been in charge of the rebuild again. But I think what would he have had to achieve with Villa? Would he have had to go us into Europe to really kind of make his CV look brighter? Probably. I think you've certainly got to get into the top 10 as a starting point and then really you know, make a good fist of getting into Europe. Whether you actually get into it or not, I'm not sure. But if you're close to it, that's fine. Um, but it's just it's never going to happen, is it? No, but he, he backed himself to do it. He's had a go. and But we're not in a position as a football club to let a manager have a go and have a play at it and see what they can do and have the, give it their best shot. You need somebody in the next, we'll talk about the next manager appointment in more detail when Gerard is actually gone, but he's effectively gone. So let's talk about it a little bit. The next one goes out, goes without saying has to be a spot on appointment, obviously. <laughs> don't You don't want to make another dud appointment two in a row, but you have to go for experience next time, I would have thought. And that doesn't mean a, a 60-year-old who's been a manager for 30-odd years, but it, it needs to be a little bit more than did all right at Rangers for two years. Yeah, it's listen. Let, let's face it. Would Stephen Gerrard have got that the Villa job if he hadn't had such a decorated playing career and been such a big name? If his I'm name was sure. if his name was Stu 
greenhouse instead of Steven Gerrard, he'd have been sacked it's, far this again. Is out, out, out there now, he's a really good <laughs> manager in the making. He's just ruined him now. <laughs> but you know what I mean? If it, if it, the name wasn't Steven Gerrard, one, he doesn't get the job in the first place, and two, he's, he's probably sacked in the summer, to be honest. If he's not the sexy Steven Gerrard name, Christian Perslow, you know, Liverpool connection, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, flashy name, and you know, we all got we didn't all get it sold into it, but we all kind of did get sold into it a little bit. You know, winning mentality, Coutinho, these connections, you know, the respect in the game, etc. But ultimately, that means nothing if you can't put a side together that looks at least okay because we've been abject. I've just seen a tweet <laughs> from um, I've seen a tweet from Matt Law, who's a big Villa fan and a, a reliable journalist on the on the. Uh, on the Telegraph saying there were claims that some of the Villa hierarchy left the director's box before the end of the game, told one left at half-time. I mean, <laughs> it's a very Ronaldo thing to do, and it's storming off before <laughs> the end. i got a chance now, just won't you? Make it about them instead of Gerard instead. I mean, if that is true, is that like a... Uh, we need to have some phone conversations with the owners or whoever because we need to... Get tap. We need to get somebody back in Birmingham tapping up on a laptop. Club statement, Stephen Jarrell, we thank you for your time, etc. We need to get that ready because we're going with this at the end of the game. Is that no, why that kind no, of thing there's no Wi Fi. There's no Wi Fi in London. <laughs> yeah. There's a few I people think... in the cards, by the way, saying get get um Stu Greenhouse in next. <laughs> like. I think even listen, I think even chauffeur driven limos have to try and miss the traffic, to be honest. So maybe it was just, <laughs> just that to get away. <laughs> I'm all for Stu Greenhouse now. I just well, I think we should give the bloke a go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where Greenhouse came from, but to be honest, it's just the first thing that came to me with the first name G. Stu's all right for Steve, but yeah, Greenhouse, I don't know where that came from. <coughs> yeah, give it to anyone at this point. For Sunday, <laughs> we're looking about a management team. Neil Cutler and Stu Greenhouse, management duo, get them involved. <laughs> if we do bring back our football manager series, by the way, I'll probably have to call him Stu Greenhouse at this point just to get a bit of a favour from the audience. Like um, if it does work, we, you know, you can forget Netflix and Amazon. We're doing this yeah. documentary ourselves if Stu Greenhouse comes and leads <laughs> us to a, a promised land. Maybe he's like the next Graham Potter, like Stu Greenhouse is currently like a manager in like Denmark or whatever, and then he'll come back into the championship and we'll go, oh, he's doing all right, that's Stu Greenhouse with uh, with Bristol City or whatever. A couple of years' time, we'll be our manager. And yeah, there we go. We'll have called it first. Um, let's talk a little bit about the next name. And again, Gerald's still here as it stands. I'm kind of... Not stalling, but I thought if we're alive long enough and it is announced tonight, like we can react to it live. It hasn't happened yet. Um, it could happen at any point. And like I said, when it does happen, we'll talk about it in more kind of depth um, in terms of the next guy. And this is the same question to the comments. There's, there's 1,300 people watching now, so we've gained 100 in the last 20 minutes or so. It's the Green Ice family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Friend of the family, are you? Um <laughs> Who would you like next? If you could pick, if it was, a, you know, they don't reject you, you know, there's an unlimited budget, you don't have to worry about their wages or where they're currently at in terms of a club. I'm not saying, you, obviously, the answer is Klopp or Guardiola or whatever, in terms of being semi-realistic. You can pick anyone you like. This is a question to you and to the comments. And there's a lot of people that are going to say Pochettino, of course. Who would you like if the decision was yours tonight to make the next, the next appointment? I think I'll be very boring and go go with the go with the majority and go for everybody's favourite Argentinian. To be honest, um, Marcelo Bielsa. So yeah, <laughs> Marcelo Bielsa, uh, Lionel Messi. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those ones, isn't it? Is he gettable? 
um, is it gettable quickly? Because I think we've reached breaking point, probably slower than a lot of people would have wanted, but faster than the four-week mid-season break in the middle of November to the middle of December. Yeah. So it's easy available, easy gettable. Is the job still the same? Is the job to build on the progress that Villa made under the Dean Smith years and catapult Villa back into the back into European places and get there? Or is the job as the job morphed now into a job of survival and just keeping keeping Villa in the Premier League? Does that matter? Is it the same skill set that it just means getting what we think is a a decent set of Premier League players. Like I say, I've changed my tune a little bit from pretending they're star-studded because they've not given me enough to prove that in, in recent months. Is the job to just get a decent set of Premier League players, get them, get some, restore some confidence, give them a simple plan that can get us through this season? I think it, I think it does become a season of let's tidy up the mess before we look to we look to revamp and and properly. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you're expecting the next manager to come in and win 17 games and follow us up to top eight this season. You'd want us no, to but I think, follow but us I think as far away from what, the bottom three as possible. What I am saying is, is the next, next manager the one who's going to do that and this one so becomes you, a, a firefighter? Or damn, can we can like we that. attract a manager? I was not saying deliberately go and get a manager for a year, but I don't know. Because that's kind of the Eddie Howe, isn't it? of going a bit more sensible. You're here for the immediate future. You might not be our manager in five years' time to take us up into the Champions League or whatever, but that's the kind of turnaround Villa need this season, Newcastle last year. Somebody to come in and coach the players that we've got, give them a, not a war chest, to quote another journalism kind of cliche in January, but give them some kind of backing to get a couple of players in. Sensible, sensible um, acquisitions. Coach the players, we've got to be better and push us as close to mid-table as possible, I think is the best we can hope for this season. If we finish 10th, 11th, 12th, I think that's a good season from where we currently are in October. And we'll see how kind of the World Cup thing affects the whole kind of um, the whole kind of league. So it was on a podcast today about how the World Cup usually would be July or whatever. So the players would have had, would have finished like six weeks ago. And the FA Cup yeah. final would have been five weeks ago and they've got yeah. this time to rest and recuperate. Whereas before the World Cup starts, there's another three Premier League games and a League Cup game and two rounds of Champions League fixtures or something. So we're already in this really condensed season as it is. You come back on Boxing Day, I think it is, and then another game a few days later. And it's this: how is that going to affect the whole side, the whole, the whole Premier League? So there is this kind of blessing in disguise almost that it's like a fresh start to a season come the, the turn of the year. So if you have got your manager in in the next couple of weeks, say, they've got a lot of time then with the World Cup break to assess things. They've got a transfer window coming up. It's not out of the realm of possibility that someone turns us around into a 11th, 12th, 10th place finish this season. I think that will be a good job. But to then go, right, you've done a job. Pochettino is now available in the summer. We want you to be the guy. I want the next guy to be the one that takes us up yeah, I think it has for the next to be five that. years. Who that is, I don't know. I don't think you can have a firefighter. Yes, thanks for doing that, but that's just a word, is it? Because, but the thing is, if if the firefighter comes in and does his does his first stage of the job, there's going to be a clamour to keep him and give him chance to do the next bit anyway. But that's that's so heavy. That's heavy. Have to go for a a club builder, if you like, somebody who can get Villa back, decide what Villa's philosophy is, get them back on track, and move in that direction. It just becomes increasingly hard to attract somebody to that kind of project. When you're down 
in the in the dark places at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom of the league. But again, you know, Villa have you know we trot it out all the time, can't we? I know we're living on past, living off past glories, but Villa's a big club. We're led to believe, although they've probably been questioned for the first time properly over the last twelve to eighteen months. We're led to believe that the owners really are ambitious and really do believe that we can compete at a higher level. So it's up to when Gerard goes, if Gerard goes, it's up to it's up to them to do a selling job on the next manager and to convince them. Now I'm not sure that well I'm pretty sure that the the Stephen Gerrard recruitment process wasn't the most robust of selection processes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think Perslow had it in mind that Stephen Gerrard was the man. Who's already in my phone book? Oh, and, went, and went and got him. Um, now, that approach is fine <laughs> if you get the right man. But mm. what, what, are you, what are you getting this person for now? It can't be on, on name and fame alone. It's got to be because they've got a good catalogue of experience that shows that they can handle a challenge like this um, and that everybody's on the same page with a plan. Um, and that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen quickly. I think they'll have been doing their due diligence over the last two or three weeks. And the whispers that you hear coming out is that they have, that they've potentially been sounding out a, a couple of people. Um, but results like tonight, performances like tonight, bring an extra urgency to it. And mm. it's one of those ones where we need a change. We need it to happen quickly. We need the new man to come in and make a difference. But equally, we need the board and the chief executive to have enough space and control yeah. of that process. So it's... So the ideal scenario for them was we probably would have got another maybe six points out of the however many games it is from now to the World Cup and that would have been just enough to say, right, okay, now the World Cup breaks here, now we go after Brendan Rodgers, Pochettino, Tuchel, yeah. whoever it is. That's given us a bit of a breathing space to do it properly, get everything in order. Whereas now, like you say... The results so far mean we have to make the change now, but they might not necessarily be ready to get Pochettino, Deich, Tuchel, whoever, um, for whatever reason, because they're not available and things have to move quicker than they would like. So maybe that is why you would see an interim of Critchley or Aaron Danks and Neil Cutler duo with Ashley Young as a player coach. Or I don't know. Like At that point, you're thinking, are they going to be okay to get us through the next three weeks so that they can land Pochettino at the, at the end of November? But like we said before about it being an ambitious move to go after Pochettino or Tuchel or whoever it might be, if somebody you look at and go, they won't go to Villa. With the amount of money that the owners have got and the backing that they can give them, if Pochettino is saying, well, if I'm coming to Villa, I want final side transfers, I want 100 million and I want 10 million a year wages. Just say yes then. If you believe he's the guy to get you into the into the next stage and get you back into Europe and back into the Champions League, or get into the Champions League, I should say, and bring all the money that comes with that, just do it. Yeah, we'll see. I think I think the the thing is just talking about the potential caretaker managers again. I've got to be careful what I say here because I probably tempt fate and jinx it, but it can't really get much worse than <laughs> certainly in terms of we've seen very 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 few occasional glimmers. But in terms of the performances, in terms of the points haul that we've got, it can't really get much worse. So if it means that this rescue squad have to take charge for a couple of weeks and even if they are a little bit out of the depth you know I still think that is preferable to having a manager who just hasn't 
nothing left in the yeah, in the, yeah, in the bank yeah. of goodwill. I don't see what that can bring. I think there will be a little bit. There will be a little bit internally as well, as much as whatever you would have thought, Critchley or um, Michael Beale or whoever Dean Smith's assistant were, who I've totally forgot his name. Um, Kelly, John Terry, Craig yeah, Shakespeare. John Terry is all I was thinking of. Yeah, as much as whatever you think, yeah, Craig Shakespeare. As much as whatever you think of them being involved in the mess that the, the club has become, there'd still be a bit of them that would be thinking, well, I don't quite agree with what the gaffer's doing. If I was in charge, I'd do this. So if it was Neil Critchley in charge for the next couple of weeks, as much as he's been associated with the mess since the summer, there might be something where he's thinking, well, actually, it should be Coutinho playing number eight and, and Ramsey off the left or whatever, and it does suddenly change and we are better, and maybe that's not good enough to go on Neil Critchley's the guy to take us forward. But if he can fight the fires to get us through the next three or four weeks and then we can appoint our big name, whoever is next, I would certainly take that. Yeah, I mean... The, the Villa board as well don't need to look too far down the road for a cautionary tale, do they, with, with what's happened with Wolves? Um, yeah. And I know they were unfortunate with the guy they went for initially who, who withdrew because of family situations. And I think they must have thought they'd got Michael Beale over the line, but obviously he's decided to remain loyal to, to QPR. They've ended up giving it to, to Steve Davis for the um, for the until the end of the season, I think I've, I've read this evening. I think it's um, no, just till the end of 2023. Oh, is it till the end of 2023? Oh, yeah. Okay. I read it as just being till the end of this calendar year for some reason, 2022. Is it till the end of the season? I think so. I think so. Somebody will correct us in the comments if we're wrong. But... <laughs> so I won't fancy that. Sack your manager. Almost have your... Have your, have your next one. Have your next one lined up before you yeah. sack them. Which is probably what they would want to do in the World Cup breaks. Everyone's talking about that being not like, this ideal moment to do it, but unless we're going to be showing up as being massively wrong and Stephen Joe will still be here for another few weeks, which again I just cannot see. It's got to the point now where you don't come back from from away tonight, so it has to be done now. So it just accelerates the process for, forward. So this is where we see how Christian Perzo earns his salary and, and the recruitment team in charge of appointing the next manager, whoever that is. How much due diligence can they do? How many presentations can these managers come and give? And how many job interviews can they get in in the next week or so? Because the next the next one has to be spot on. And have they got the time to do that? I'm not so sure. And we've talked a lot before about kind of getting carried away with the hype of a new signing or a new manager and kind of getting to this point where I want to see results on the pitch before I get carried away by the next guy. If it is Pochettino, as exciting as, and as sexy as that sounds, I'm hoping anyway, I'll, I'll see what I'll say in a few weeks if it is him. I don't want to get too carried away until I see some kind of level of performance. You don't want to fall pitch. in love again, do you, Dan? You no, don't I don't because, because, like I said, October's a good time for us to sack the manager. Are we going to be doing this in a year's time? Going, oh, Pochettino, you know, what a waste of time. Gave him all that money. Failed at PSG, now look at us. I don't want to be in that position again. I want the next guy to be right and I want to see some proof that the next guy's right before I get too carried away. Quite does for your ratings, though. Look how many people you got watching your podcast. <laughs> I don't do it for ratings. Irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> it's been loads. No, it's been loads. Certainly not. There's been loads of comments and loads. I of thought you got a pound for everybody who let in the comments said you've got a massive nose and a big slap head. Or is that me? <laughs> oh, 
No, let's start. Let's start inside a pile on, shall we? Although the engagement figures will be great with my boss next week if we get loads of comments on this video. So you know, kind of win-win. Let's put a crap manager so people listen to our podcast. <laughs> uh, again, just having a quick flick through social media to see if there is anything. Uh, nothing so far, which again is a little bit ominous in itself that there isn't a post-match interview video with Stephen Gerrard on the club's account. There isn't McGinn or Mings or Conza, whoever are doing a post-match interview. They've literally just posted full time on the whistle and nothing since, which kind of sets the stage for club statement being the next post and then whenever it is. I still kind of do think it might be tonight, but I suppose as more time goes by, that's less likely. I did say half ten and we're past that now, so I've lost the sweepstake there. Um, yeah, I don't. I kind of want to keep going a little bit just because it could still be today, but I've kind of run out of course a little bit, I think. Can't just stay on air just like some kind of... <laughs> Just, to, just, just to wait till he gets sacked. Funny though, isn't it? <laughs> Let's just talk about anything else for a bit. No one's talking about um, the football anyway. I'm just thinking about the. Um, is there anything about the game that we should have touched upon? Not really. The penalty was harsh. Uh, it's one of them, isn't it? It's this. That's the rules now. I think I don't agree with the rules that if it bumps out of your body or whatever, then you get. That's a handball. I liked it that if it's deliberate, if you put your hand across the goal and you punch a ball or whatever, and it's, it's obvious that you're trying to use your hands to, to defend, that's a penalty. You know, having your hands up to clear over and it bounces up and hits your elbow or something, that's, that shouldn't be a handball in my eyes, but that's what the rules are. So by the letter of the law, it was a penalty, but I've, I don't agree that the rules are correct. Who do you if, think, if he if he does go... Which players? <laughs> you want think... me to talk about the game? Oh, I've got bored of that. If, if he does go, <laughs> what players do you think will be most relieved or, or most benefit? Do you think it oh. gives a clean slate to the likes of Sanson? And um, I'm not sure about that. The extremes of not quite the bomb squad, but kind of Gilbert, Sanson, Camber, <laughs> because you know Sanson and Gilbert weren't picked under Dean Smith either. So I do wonder whether there's just something more there that two managers haven't picked them. I think from the players that have played in the last year or so anyway. Somebody like Callum Chambers, maybe, who played well for us and hasn't had a look in this season. Buendia, I think another manager would come in and go, I'm building my side around you. I want you to start every game. You're you're my number 10 or whatever and everything will go through you. Uh, fresh start for Ollie Watkins, bit of confidence, arm around the shoulder, new guy coming in and saying, you're my main man up front. You know, you'll refine your form. He's got 14 goals a couple of seasons ago. You can get back to that. McGinn, maybe. The pressure of the captaincy. Maybe the captaincy changes again and McGinn steps up his game or he's taken out the firing line for a bit because the new manager doesn't care that Stephen Gerrard appointed him captain and thinks, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing here as well. Um, I don't know. I think it's a fresh start for a few of them. Coutinho again, yeah, I don't know. Either somebody comes in and goes, yeah, you've still got something. I'm going to to feature you in there as well. Or they think, you shouldn't have been signed in the first place, mate, because you already passed it. I don't know. What do you think about the entire players? I've got another Ash tweet for you in a sec, but stick with the players for now so we kind of keep some kind of structure. I just think they've become... I don't, don't, I'm not sure I um, ever buy the phrase lost the dressing room because it's... I'm not even sure place. that's true either. It's always in the place where it's always been, you know, between the car park and the tunnel. <laughs> um, but I don't. I didn't get the sense that they're down tools for him. I got the sense that they were a little bit muddled and mm. were bereft of, of confidence. So... 
you tend, again, don't want to jinx it, you tend to get the new manager bounce. So I think there needs a freshness, a freshness of ideas, a, a fresh voice um, and and something different. So I just think collectively, and that's a bit of a cop-out, but I think collectively they will all benefit by not being part of what has become a very, very alarming slump, to be honest. Mm. Um, happened quickly, I think, because whether we were naive, I didn't foresee this. I didn't foresee a relegation battle. Um, when we were doing our, we've said before, when we were doing our pre-season and we were all arguing over whether we'd finish eighth or tenth. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know what people in the comments whether think I'm being too negative after eleven games of the season. I probably would. Let's not say seventeenth. Let's really aim high. Let's say sixteenth. I would take that now because I think we're in such a rut that you know Premier League survival has got to be the absolute you know, priority and then anything else that we achieve this season, preferably an FA Cup win, um, will be a bonus. Yeah, I'd, I don't think, I think if Gerald had another 10 games and we were in the bottom three kind of comfortably, I'd be saying, yes, you know, we're in serious trouble here and I'd absolutely take 17th. I think if the managerial change comes now in terms of from the next game onwards, I do think there is enough time for them to do an Eddie Howe at Newcastle last season and fire us up to... 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th. And I think if we finished 11th, like we did two seasons ago, and in Dean Smith's kind of best season for us, I'd class that as a very good season from the position we're in at the moment. But yes, obviously relegation is not an option. So if you said you can guarantee 17th right this second, I'd have to say yes, because I'd be too fearful of the drop and losing all the players that we've signed and the financial implications that come with it. So yes, I'd take it, but I wouldn't be happy about it. Well, obviously not. Um, Ash's tweet, understand Nasef Sawir is furious with what he witnessed tonight and walked out of the director's box after Douglas Louise's red card. Christian Perzo quickly followed after Mitrovic made it 2-0. So, make of that what you will. Um, one of the owners there, again, to me, that's pretty obvious stuff. Peed off with the, with the performance and the situation of the club. Come on, guys, let's get our heads together. It's time to, it's time to make the change. Can we borrow a boardroom from somewhere? Because we need to do this tonight. Yeah, I don't know. Is Wes, don't, is Wes Eden's awake? What, what's the time zone over where he is? Got they on the phone to him saying, come on, Wes, get out of bed. We've got a manager to sack. Ring him, mate. Reverse the charges. So, so I text him. <laughs> Came on the pod. Um, yeah, I was, it, to me, it's all just the signs of the obvious. Like I said, we said I don't know, 20 minutes or so ago, we could look very stupid and Joe would still be here for another few weeks, but all the signs point to a sack in imminently. So pretty happy to... Now my colours to one mass now. Yeah, I'm not particularly happy about it, but um, I know you didn't mean it like that. But yeah, it's 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 beyond beyond the point of no return for me now. So he's bound to be in the dugout on Sunday. <laughs> um, you know what? There's been a lot of comments about about the manager names and stuff, and few for Sean Dyche, Pochettino, Tuchel, the obvious names that are going around. Nobody really that I've seen and thought that's. You know, anything out of the blue, a few jokey ones, Allardyce, Bruce, etc. Um, a lot of the obvious names are obvious, but the thing I like about it and the thing that's come for this podcast is the Stu Greenhouse stuff for people, like loads of people saying that instead as obviously as a joke. And I've always thought, you know, like when you see like fake transfer rumours go around 
in the summer and you see those videos of a, you know, somebody speaking and doing fan cams out of a stadium and going, oh, what do you think of huge ass or whatever from the Japanese league? And they're going, oh, well, I haven't really seen him play, but he'd probably be a good signing and people got, like, get stitched up through that. I've always wanted us to do something like that in, in transfer windows gone by. And obviously, we're a respectable organisation that can't make stuff up. I understand that and this is why it's never happened. But I always thought it'd be good if like, on the podcast we talked about a player as, as a fake kind of thing and see how many people fell for it. I almost can't want people to go onto Twitter now and suggest Stu Greenhouse be the next villain manager and people are like frantically searching Y Scout and these different, you know, who score.com, whatever. Check your Stu, Green, Stu Greenhouse, who's he? Where's he from? I just sent you a message. Check your WhatsApp. <laughs> there he is. Can I show this on, on screen or not? Is that, is that probably like GDPR or something? I don't know. Well, my mate's just sent it to me, so I presume it's public about, publicly available. Okay. So, and it's your fault for getting trouble. The next manager of Aston Villa, Stuart Greenhouse, with his lightsaber. This guy means action, whoever this is. Imagine if he's watching the podcast. How bizarre would that be? Um, but yeah, I just quite like the idea of people like going to Twitter now and going, oh, this is Stuart Greenhouse from, from Denmark's decent. Oh, we should go after him next. And like, people like <laughs> Daisy Tate for that. Yeah, <laughs> just be funny. Um, yeah, I think that's probably a natural end to the show. I did think that there was a possibility that we'd be speaking about the official club statement at some point because I thought it might just come immediately after the game. Al Di Matteo a few years ago, who was you know, basically sacked on Preston's car park or whatever. Um, yeah, it hasn't happened. So I guess we'll be back tomorrow, maybe, with an official Stephen Gerrard has been sacked podcast. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Or an official Stephen Gerrard is still the manager podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. I mean, there'll be no Brentford presser, but if he's not sacked, I would assume in the morning tomorrow or the afternoon, it's... The longer it goes on that he's not sat, the more concerned I am that he's going to be here someday. And that's obviously a totally different conversation, but one we will still have, of course. Um, it's a little bit difficult because now I feel like if we finish the podcast now and he's sacked at quarter to 11, I'm going to think, oh, I wish we'd have just stayed on. But we've given our thoughts, so we don't really <laughs> need to wait for the official confirmation. It's 1,300 still. There's, <laughs> There's got to be a 1,000 comments on Facebook, which is like... I'm going to get praise it from our next like one to one for this for the amount of engagement we've got on a podcast. Flash some up so I can see what the vibe is. Uh, we sacked Dean Smith for this clown is the first one I've seen. Uh, I'm dreaming of a Deutsch Christmas from Andy. Pretty good actually. That uh, we need a championship ex- experience manager. Lol, we're not going down, Adam. Come on, uh, Steve Bruce seen in Aston from Jason O'Brien probably kebab or something. Um, don't go. This is therapy. I mean. Yeah, questions if this is therapeutic. Um, you can't go to bed yet. Uh, all I want for Christmas is Deutsch. A, few, a, lot, of, a lot of love for Sean um, sure Deutsch. Uh, yeah, Pochettino. There's way more than a thousand comments, apparently, which is which is very good. Um, yeah, it's a two-hour drive back from Fulham as soon as he steps off the coach, sack him. Yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of aligned to the same point at this point, I think. I think that one earlier about one more game, perhaps, is the most positive comment I've seen so far. And like we said before, that's not exactly a, a ringing endorsement. Um, Ted Lasso as an option, can't do any worse from Andy. Uh, yeah, I think we're done, aren't we? Like I said, if it comes out at some point that Gerald has been sacked tonight, I'm not going to jump back on a podcast because we've, we've already given our thoughts. Um if it's at some point tomorrow, or we stay, and of course we'll do a, we'll do another chat then. Maybe get Ash on, get his thoughts from uh, from Craven Cottage. Maybe Ash and John actually could do one together. So it's not just you and me waffling through the same thoughts again. Do you want to know um, an interesting fact? Absolutely, yeah. It's not it's not particularly interesting, but it's a fact. 
Tonight's oh. commentator, Guy Mowbray, I was in the same room with him yesterday oh, at, yeah? the, at the National Football Museum. I wanted to give a plug for this book that, that, that a colleague <laughs> of mine put out, so it seemed, seemed a good segue into it. Have we ever shared the Lot Footballs account with you on Twitter? Yes, you've spoken about this before, yeah. A lot of footballs in random places. Yeah, so it's like a kind of football that appears on the spire of a cathedral or lost in a mm. canal or in a trolley that's rolling down the road or something like that. So they've done this book and it's not just a commercial thing. This is this is a, this is a charitable reason to this as well. Have you heard of a charity called Sporting Memories? I haven't, no. No, well, don't worry. I'll tell you about it. Okay. This, <laughs> Thank this, you. Where, where the, the people start to tune out and disappear. It's a charity called Sporting Memories that kind of is set, it's got groups all around the country and it's for people to get together. There's, there's some people with, you know, kind of dementia and Alzheimer's who gather and just talk about sport and talk about football and these things that spark off conversation. It might be a photo or a, new, a newspaper report or they'll talk about strikers that they've seen or grounds that they've been to and stuff like that. So Lost Footballs have done this book. So it's basically like a little mini kind of book with all these pictures in of footballs and flyaways and leather cases that have been punctured, that have been scattered around the, the country and the world. And they're selling it and raising money for, for sporting memories, which is, I think it's a really, I think it's a really great cause, to be mm. honest, keeping people <clears throat> And alert and getting together socially around by talking about football. So don't worry, I'll be I'll be shoving this down people's throats over the next couple of weeks. So I want to try and get get a lot of publicity for it and and give it my support. But um, yeah, it was a bit of a tenuous way to get into it. But Guy <laughs> I was gonna say, I was about to say, what Guy Guy Moore, we got to do with this, that? Um, a patron of this this charity. So he was there speaking mm, at the okay. uh, the National Football Museum in Manchester, which was uh, very nice. A few sandwiches and a bit of coffee as well. So yeah, it was a it, oh, was, a, it was a good day. What was on the sandwiches? Oh, I don't know, mate. A bit of tuna, a bit of ham, you know, the usual. Not together. Tuna sandwiches and ham sandwiches. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, good. that's that's me done, I think. Do you reckon we'd have a, a good a good stab at Brentford if you and me got put in the dugout? What were you the manager? I'll be the assistant. Do you reckon we'd win? I don't know. We I don't think I don't, I don't think we'd lose. <laughs> Could we get our mate Stu Greenhouse to put the kind of cones out? Can you be cones and bibs, man? Oh my God, everyone's saying he's gone. Is it, is it in a club statement? Yes. Okay, right. I'm glad we stayed on with a bit of waffle. Has club he statement gone? from Aston Villa. Club statement from Aston Villa. Uh, Aston Villa Football Club can confirm that head coach Stephen Gerrard has left the club with immediate effect. Now I'm loading up the website. A club spokesman said, we would like to thank Stephen for his hard work and commitment and wish him well for the future. I think that's about 30 words, that uh, that statement there. I'm glad we stayed on, because now we've got closure. Thanks for watching, everyone. <laughs> we'll see you later. Is that uh, loads of Loads of like, celebration in the comments. Yes, capital yeses. Gerard sacked official. Gerard has gone. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Hooray. I mean, like we said, manager lost his job. You know, detriment to his... Uh, Aspirations going forward, etc., etc. I feel sorry for him and his family, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, he was ruining Aston Villa going forward. So, yeah, pretty happy that that's the decision. Clean, swift, done, in before, uh, gone before the end of the night. You might, you type away, do whatever you need to do. I can continue filling. Um, we've already given our opinions of, of what we feel about Stephen Joe through the last hour of this podcast. So if you join this late, 
of course, go back and catch up with the, the full episode because we're not going to sit here and talk about Gerald's era of what's gone wrong because we've already done it in the speculation that he's going to go. It's now just kind of a sigh of relief that there's that official closure of, right, he's gone, fresh start now, bit of optimism, something new to talk about. We don't just have to repeat ourselves and the speculation, this knife-edge feeling, will he, won't he? He's gone. Done. Breathe, relax. I think it's... um. This shows what off, ended on, not far off. Yeah, you were right. You're right. Didn't didn't I say ten o'clock? I said ten a.m. Ten a.m. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, but there must be somebody who's watching this somewhere in the world where we're close to ten a.m. That's true. Yeah. Um, this shows what a pathetic human being I am. Do you know what? Um, do you know what my first feeling was? What? what a lack of disrespect for the corner flag. The only time it ever gets its own <laughs> platform. <laughs> is during these big statement announcements. And they're going to put Gerard on there rather than the corner flag. But um, that's because I'm a pathetic human being. Now, listen, we said, didn't we? we've said several times throughout the course of this evening, and we've alluded to it quite strongly as our patience has been on the verge of snapping for the last couple of weeks, um, that this kind of needed a swift resolution and lancing the boil, pulling the plaster off, whatever, whatever, <laughs> one, one we, whatever we want to call it. This, he might not... <laughs> Stu Greenhouse has got a lot to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> Love these, by the way. Oh, mate, you want to knock out some T-shirts, to be honest? Uh, Stu, Stu Greenhouse is climbing blue army. Um, <laughs> it's done. It, Villa have acted decisively. You know, let's see. Let's see what... Let's see who's picking the team on, on for Sunday's game. I think Villa Park will be a more pleasant place. I think mm-hmm. that actually there'll be a real... Not that, not that the fans wouldn't have supported the team on Sunday anyway, regardless, but I think there'll be a real kind of weight of feeling now mm-hmm. of, right, okay, that chapter hasn't worked. Let's do our absolute utmost to, to get this get this back on track. Uh, so, yeah, it was all the signs were pointing to it. And, yeah, I'm just glad. I'm glad that you, you kept stalling, Dan, for, um, for another five minutes to keep us on. Yeah, it was your, your talk of tuna sandwiches and my, you know, was it tuna? Is it ham? There's a little vault a few seconds got us over the line there. I mean, it would have been would have been very frustrating to finish this at quarter to 11. Then a couple of minutes later, I had the official confirmation. We can put it to bed now. I can probably change the title on this podcast. Official Stephen Gerald has been sacked so that people can come and find this later down the line. But it is that, and the, the comments reflect it, that kind of sigh of relief of, right, fresh start. Someone just put there that... Um, kind of narrow formation in the bin. Can we try and do something different? So I talk about Greenhouse. Can he play a 4-4-2? Can he get the best out for it? You know, I hope this becomes a bit of a meme moving forward and there'll be people that will see this and go, what the hell? What are you guys talking about? But if you can't have well, a bit of nonsense you. out of the way, then what can you do? You've got to cry otherwise if you don't laugh about it. If Stu doesn't <laughs> applaud all four corners of the ground <laughs> after go. win, lose or draw, mate, he's gone. He's, he's dead to me, to be honest. Do you, do you reckon that Nasser Suarez left early so he could get data on his phone or whatever to tune into this and then go, right, what's the mood? What do them two think? What do no, all the fans think? No. <laughs> I reckon I'd be, well, I reckon I'd be watching going, oh, right, I reckon he's starting to go, come on, get the P45 ready. Um, yeah, done. Done with a nice kind of ending for the show. Uh, celebrations in the comments. Like we said, not celebrating a guy losing his job because of the implications that come with that, but time, you know, enough was enough. Uh, we've done our time of sitting through Gerald Ball and the depressing things that come with it, being bored to tears. We're a point, actually, we're not even a point off off the bottom three. We're, we're out of it by goals scored or goals conceded. We've nine points, same as Wars. So we've both got a minus nine goal difference. So teetering on the edge, had to make the decision. They've done it. We move on and 
we'll probably do another podcast tomorrow anyway with Ash and John to get their thoughts on what they saw tonight and whether it was the right decision, which I'm sure they will agree it was. What happens next? A little bit of looking ahead to Brentford as well, because you and me have done it now. We've done an hour and 15 on it. There's no point in you and me doing another episode before before Sunday. I assume it's you and me doing the post-match Sunday, and we'll see who takes charge of that and what happens over the next few days. But I'll get John and Ash to do a show tomorrow as well, and uh, they can share their thoughts on it. But Matt, thank you for an hour, 15 minutes of your life on a Thursday evening. Thank you for the 1,400, 1,500 people that have watched this live throughout the last hour. Thanks for all the comments getting involved in the serious points of, of the questions we've asked and the, and the nonsense points of the uh, Stu Greenhouse, Claret Blue Army bandwagon. Uh, massively appreciate people getting involved and, and kind of, uh, you know, humouring us, I guess. And uh, yeah, we'll call it a day there. I've probably got to go and crack on with some proper work now and get things prepared for, for the rest of the team and uh, early for the morning as well. So, Matt, thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us. This is a momentous occasion. Where were you when Stephen Gerald was, was sacked? We were watching the Carlton Blue podcast, talking about tuna sandwiches. That's the moment it happened in classic Carlton Blue fashion. So, Matt, thank you. Have you enjoyed it? Has it been a nice show for you? No, I haven't really, because it's... Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> what's to... In- Listen, it's great spending an hour in your company. What, what, what's to enjoy when we set back again? We've got... This is just part of it. That the, the first problem has been removed. We're a long way from finding a solution. So yeah, um, they've lanced the boil, but it's still sore, it's still painful, it's still exactly, got coming out exactly. of it. Exactly. Still needs a bit yeah. of ointment on it. Um <laughs> so yeah, listen, we'll see what the next few weeks, weeks, days and weeks bring. Um, but it's an opportunity now. It's an opportunity to set right what's gone wrong in recent mm. months. And there's a lot of pressure, you know, as the, as there is on on football club owners and football club boards is that there's a lot of pressure to get this one right because it's still, you know, I know we're mega, mega biased. It's still one hell of an opportunity for whoever, for whoever gets this right. Mm. Um, you know, if this place takes off, we're all, we're all, we're all here for it, aren't we? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll reserve my um, cynicism a little bit because I hope I'm pleasantly surprised that we get this one bang, bang on. Uh, mm. And that the glory days, return to the mighty Aston Villa. Come on, Stu Greenhouse! <laughs> uh, thank you very much for watching. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, get some sleep if you can. I know there's going to be a lot of excitement on social media. Um, but thank you very much for tuning in to the Clark Blue podcast, the official Stephen Gerrard has been sacked from Aston Villa podcast. I will change the title to reflect that. Um, thanks to everyone who's watching this on Catch Up. If you've seen a lot of tweets about Stu Greenhouse, I've already had a few. I'm sorry. Just a little bit of a joke that's now already spawned out of control. I've had two DMs saying announced Stu Greenhouse. Um, so thank you for tuning in. Thanks for uh, indulging our nonsense. Matt, thank you for your time. Good riddance to Stephen Gerrard. And uh, we'll see you again in a couple of days. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.